Hello, hello. Glory to God. Aren't we thankful for Brother Milan tonight? Just reach your hands out this way. Father, we thank you for the gift here before us tonight. And everybody said out loud, Lord, we believe we receive your perfect will in word, in spirit, in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, Brother Milan's a Mississippi boy, so you shouldn't have any problem understanding him tonight. <laughs> Milan, take your liberty, sir. Thank you, sir. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, have a seat and get comfortable. Glory to God. I've been looking forward to tonight. I ain't bad to get up early, but I woke up at 7 o'clock. I didn't even have to get up till 9. I woke up at 7 o'clock and couldn't go back to sleep. I normally jump up about the crack of noon, you know. <clears throat> but I, I woke up excited and, and hearing and seeing scriptures. And, and the, you know how the Lord, you, you learn a new one new scripture, you get some revelation from it. But you don't just get it from that one sentence. You, all of a sudden you understand how it tied into those other 14 that you were thinking about and meditating on and trying to figure out the rest of and so just, uh, I told Pastor, I said, I started out with 16 scriptures for tonight, and that's too many. And so all week I prayed, and I, you know, I had to narrow it down. I didn't want to go too long. And at the end of the week, I had 25. So I'm in trouble. <laughs> you know, Dad used to say, thank God for the Holy Ghost. And that's exactly what I'm going to be saying in a little while. Because he's going to take care of business. Glory to God like he always does. Well, let me just say this. I believe God's people ought to have more fun than anybody else. I say that everywhere I go because I really do believe it. I believe being a Christian ought to be a whole lot of fun. And if you're not enjoying being a Christian, then you just ain't doing it right. And the good news about about God is he'll give you as much information or holy information is just what revelation is. He'll give you as much as you want. If you're hungry, you'll get well fed anytime you're ready. He'll sit down with you and he doesn't ever get tired of revealing himself. And, uh, you know, so you know, uh, Pastor Phyllis is up here trying to get... Uh, one or two people to smile, and I know who she was trying to get to smile now. And uh, but I'll just I'll just give you this information: if you're going to heaven, you ought to be in a better mood than if you're going to hell. Amen. So let me see some teeth up in here tonight. Now we're gonna have a good time. We're gonna leave here more like Jesus. His word doesn't come back void. And I, I'm not going to give you any of my opinions. They just got me in a big mess. I'm going to tell you what God said. And, and, and part of the process that happens every time you take the time to do that is His word doesn't come back void. He transforms us by the renewing of our mind. So whether you, whether you feel it or whether you are aware of it or not, your mind is going to, you're going to have more of the mind of Christ and the wisdom of God when you leave this room. And you're going to be, you can't be like him until you learn to think like him. You're not going to talk like him until you 
learn to think like him. Amen. You can't act like him and you definitely won't react like him. You know, some rascal does something to you. And usually the, the rascal's got the same last name as us quite often. Y'all know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Somebody do something to you and, and then you, when we grow up, we just don't even consider what we would have considered as a reaction at one time. So, praise God, we're going through the process tonight. It's going to be good. I have my instructions from the Holy Ghost have been real my assignment for these days. Uh, if you were, you know, I was a musician just for you that don't know. I was a musician most of my life. My parents were musicians. And and uh, when I gave my life, and I mean by that, my parents were gospel singers. My granddad was a preacher. But I didn't really believe everything they did, and I didn't want everything they had. And I was just rebellious, and I ain't blaming it on anybody else, but I went my own way. There was a time in the church, I'll be 72 this year, so when I started writing songs, it was back in the 50s. Anybody in here remember the 50s? Anybody remember the 60s? I have to get a video to find out what happened in the 60s. But I do remember the 50s. And I started writing songs, but they weren't the kind of songs they were singing at my church. And a young man with a guitar just wasn't going to come up in here with none of that, you know. There, was, there would be like the radio. Y'all might not remember this. I don't know why I'm telling you a grandpa's story and Ames started preaching. But there would be, in those days in Georgia where I grew up, there was black radio or white radio, the black Music was played on the black station. The white music was played on the white station. So you'd get like Little Richard would write a song like Long Tall Sally. And he'd be singing it on the station that he was on. And then my friend, who's a precious man of God, Pat Boone, would be singing Long Tall Sally on the white station. (laughs) Now... I love, I love Pat Boone, but if you listen to those two versions of that song, (laughs) it ain't fair to Pat. (laughs) You can hear one of them, but you can feel the other, and y'all know what I'm talking about? So I wanted to write me some music that you could hear and feel. I thought there wasn't no, like... Like Pastor said, I didn't used to leave anybody out. and uh, But they weren't having none of it, so I had to go somewhere else to make my music. And, and, and the church lost a lot of really creative people by being a little legalistic and, and sticking to tradition and making culture and things more important than they should have been, you know. And uh, so, you know, I, it's still I made bad choices and... And I had to come back to Jesus. And when I came back to him and gave him my life, I was 35 years old when I surrendered my will. Do you know what I'm talking about? And I had been what we call getting saved. I'd been saved at least 100 times by then. (laughs) We got saved every time they had a... I mean, my mama decided her baby's going to church. My daddy would... My daddy, I'm not sure he cared, but he was like the sergeant at arms. You know, he'd give you a choice. You can go to church, son, or you can stay home and die. (laughs) But it's your choice. You know. So, 
And I went to church all the time, but I, I had this thought in the back of my mind, one of these days I'm going to be big as daddy and I ain't coming no more. And so I surrendered my, you know, I gave him my problems. I gave Jesus my problems a hundred times. I gave him my sins, all the stuff I was ashamed of, all the stuff, I, you know, that was out of control that, that I didn't want. I basically, I, I look back on it, it was like trying to make Jesus my junk man. You can have this stuff, I'm sh- I don't, it ain't working. But anything that, that I felt like I was doing good at, I wanted to be the Lord of that and in charge of that. And, but I finally surrendered and gave him the rest of my life, not just my problems, but my hopes and dreams and relationships and, and music and whatever else, I, you know. And boy, that's when it started getting good. That was 1980. So um, everything that's happened since then, one of, the, one of the people, when God called me to teach, when I gave him my life, music was my life. It's the only thing. I had no skills. I had no education except high school. Uh, Elvis cut one of my songs as soon as I went in the Army. I was 17, just got out of high school. And all of a sudden, it was just on. Musically, things started happening. And it was a little crazy and and uh, in fact, I'm going to play you a video right quick uh, that'll give you a quicker testimony than I can give you. And then we're going to get in the Word. I'm going to introduce my wife to you. We're going to have a whole lot of fun tonight. And we're going to pursue Jesus together. Can we show this video, please? My life is like a storybook. It's an amazing, true story about a country boy whose dreams all came true. My parents were gospel singers. When I was 17 years old, I had written a song that Elvis Presley had recorded, and he was the biggest star in the world at the time. Doors were open, TV and stadiums and coliseums. And for me, it was a dream world. I didn't know how to handle it. I'd never had any money before. I'd never had a lot of attention before. After meeting Elvis, I met the Beatles and the Rolling Stones and Clapton and Dylan. And I mean, I was getting high with all these guys. And I got strung out, man. What I thought was a party ended up being like a pit of oppression and discouragement and depression. In 1980, the second chapter of Acts concert, I got born again and gave not just my problems, but my life to the Lord. You know, I had to quit rock and roll to get away from the drugs and the groupies and, and to live for Jesus. So my pastor gave me a job as a janitor at my church. We started a little band called Broken Heart. And we were just playing in high schools around Atlanta and, you know, just leading kids to Jesus anywhere we could. That group grew until uh, we headlined every Christian festival that we wanted to play in the world for years there and you know won Grammys and Dove Awards and and sold millions of records but the most important thing was we led a couple hundred thousand kids to the Lordship of Jesus Christ so I've written a book basically about my life I believe the Lord told me that that I needed to share what he has done for me with prisoners and with soldiers I want to give this book to those guys that are behind bars, the guys who were angry and rebellious like I was, who now are in a hopeless place and without Christ. 
And so uh, this book is a simple book. It's about an hour and a half read. It's mostly pictures. There is a scripture, my favorite in fact, that says, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. And blessed is the man who trusts in Him. A purpose for writing this book is to uh, help those people who don't go to church, who, who don't really watch Christian TV, but who need to know the truth that can set a man free. the vision that the Lord gave us is that for every book sold, we're sowing at least one into the life of a prisoner or soldiers in harm, a soldier in harm's way. And as of now, I think we have over 19,000 in the prison systems. Mm-hmm. We've been in men's and women's facilities from minimum security all the way up to supermax. And it has been so humbling and such a privilege and honor to see how the love of God transforms a life right before your eyes in an instant. So Amen. it's been such a privilege and we've got the uh, coffee table. This is this is the big one. We only brought one to show it to you because because um, they redid it. This book was, you know, we made it, again, everything that we do in our ministry is designed to reach beyond the walls of the church and to reach the unsaved and the unchurched. So, you know, this book was really written for prisoners. Lots of times when Christians write books, they tell all the sweet stuff Jesus did after they humble themselves. The Lord told me, I want you to put the good, bad, and ugly in there because these prisoners need to see why the devil got such a good shot at you. I want you to admit, humble yourself, and admit all the dumb decisions you made and the choices you made that put you in that situation. But also, then they'll be able to see what happened when you got on your knees and started reading my word and doing what I said and what I've done. There is not anybody on the earth that would not want God to do for them what he's done for me since that day. So anyway, if y'all buy one of these or one of these, this is the, when this book first came out, no Christians would put it in their Christian bookstore because it's got a picture of me as a heroin addict on the front. It was B.C. and A.D. That was the whole concept, right? (laughs) But none of the Christians would put it in their Bible bookstores. So the publisher went and did a new, the after I took a shower version. So... (laughs) If we brought a bunch of these, if you buy one of these or one of those, then instead of the publisher giving me royalties, which is normally what they do when you write a book, I made a deal with them that they give me more books. And then we take the books into the prisons and we give them. And you know Satan is defeated by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. Glory to God. It's, there's nothing more wonderful than going and getting some total heathen who's on his way to hell and taking him to heaven with you. Isn't that wonderful? Amen. Sure. Yeah. So who was, who's interested in this one? Who can I bless with this? I'll give this to you first. <laughs> God bless you. And, you know, I want to also take a moment to say how honored and how privileged we are to be here tonight. Pastor Keith, Pastor Phyllis, thank you. 
This is such an honor for us. We, you're mentors for us in the faith, and we are so privileged. Thank you for this opportunity. When God called me to be a teacher out of the band, he told me, I remember that night so specific. I said, Lord, I'll do anything, but I need to know for sure it's you. And I need you to be, I need you to make your instructions to me stupid proof. Do y'all talk straight up? But I have to be honest with him. I need help. We're not talking about Einstein here, you know. I said, Lord, you got to make it. And what he told me was, I'm calling you to be a student teacher. And so you, you'll teach what you know and you'll learn what you don't, basically, was my instruction. And it still is all these years later. But when I'm in the room with this gentleman, I'm a student. But tonight, praise God, he's allowed me and assigned me to teach. So this is an exciting... I'm like a kid at recess, y'all. This is... And I also want to take a minute to just say we've got our executive assistant here, Elizabeth Abrams, her husband Galen, and her family. Would you just wave right here? Thank you for being here. And we have... You know, longtime friends, one of our other favorite preachers and favorite worship leaders, Jeremy and Sarah Pearsons. Amen. We love you so much. <laughs> We're so excited. And we have also Mike and Shara Candidate we go way back Amen. with. 18 years we've been friends. So it's just been, we're already having so much fun. Already having a good time in the Lord. So I also want to um, give you some information about the material that we have available in the foyer. And the reason why we make it available to you is because Jesus said, If you will continue in my word, you will know the truth and the truth will make you free. So the more we continue in the word, the freer we get. So this is the truth of God's Word in music and teaching and video. Um, the first one I want to tell you about is music. We do have uh, Bow Down. This is Mylan's Praise and Worship CD. But we also have the rockin' stuff. For all you rockers out there who can headbang like Miss Phyllis. <laughs> That's right. This is the band. This is the greatest hits. And it's 80s-style contemporary Christian rock. But it is full of the Word of God, and you can sing along because you can understand the words. So if you want to check that out. And then we also have good... Oh, let me just tell you about our faith hats. If you're going to wear a hat, it's summertime. If you're going to wear a hat, you might as well wear one that says something. So on the front it says, For we walk by faith and not by sight. And on the back it says, Jesus is Lord. So what I like to say is they get the Word coming and going. Hallelujah. And then we've got some teaching. We've got Mylan's latest teaching on earth as it is in heaven. And this is how to pray effective prayers so that it really is at your house just like it is in heaven. And we're also tonight, uh, where Mylan's going, we're doing a special with this book. And, and Brother Copeland did the forward for it. It's titled, How Blessed Do You Want to Be? And this is all about making right choices. And tonight, if this is not something that you can purchase, we want you to know that we want to sow it into your life um, for free. And all we ask is that you read it, that you make a promise to read it. So we've got this available at the table for those of you that are interested, how blessed you want to be. And then we also have um, my... we got those in Sarasota, too. Oh, that's right. We've got them in Sarasota, and they are available not for free online, but at the church services. 
Um, then we also have, this is my latest teaching for ladies. And it, women, I just want to encourage you that we don't ever have to let ourselves get under anything ever again. Under fear, under guilt, under condemnation. In Christ Jesus, we can get over it. And that's what this is about. And then my, the last thing I want to tell you about is my personal testimony in the format of a children's book. And the title of this is The Adventures of Twirling Girl. And this is how the Lord taught me that a father of the fatherless is God. And that even though my earthly daddy had walked away, that I have a heavenly father. And he loves me, Amen. he cares for me, and he hears me when I pray. So instead of growing up angry or hurt or frustrated, I grew up full of love and joy and peace and my dreams coming true because of the revelation that I received at this young age of my heavenly father. So we have that available at the table. We also have a website. We're at mylonmylon.org. You can get all the resources on the web, our itinerary, Mylon's bio. You can join all of our fun social media sites. Uh, we also have the app that Pastor Keith mentioned. Uh, Church on the Run is on that app. And when you download it, you can download it for free. And it's under the same keyword, Mylon.org. It'll also connect you to all of our sites. And you can watch our Church on the Run daily digital devotional each day, which we're really excited about. The reception on that has been so wonderful that now the vision God's given us is uh, the format for a, a TV show. So we're really excited about reaching the world for Jesus with Church on the Run. <laughs> and I think that is it. So thank you for your, for your patience and letting me share that information with you. But I also want to just encourage you quickly. You know, do you want me to go here now, what we talked mm -hmm. about earlier? Yes, ma'am. Okay. Well, Mylon asked me, we've been... Uh, encouraging each other in the Lord with this verse, this passage, uh, Psalm 35:27, And so I just want to encourage you in it tonight. And it says, let those who favor my righteous cause shout for joy and be glad and say continually. We keep talking about the joy of the Lord tonight, don't we? Be glad and say continually, let the Lord be magnified who takes pleasure in the prosperity of his servant. Say again, Ooh, that's baby. good. Say, will y'all say that with us? Yes, let's say, say it again, together. Baby. Let the Lord be magnified who takes pleasure in the prosperity of his servant. Let's go back to the front. Let those who, how many of y'all favor the righteous cause of God? Hallelujah. How many of you believe that he has a perfect plan and purpose and that you are an important part of it? Yeah. In these last of the last days. Amen. Amen. Let those who favor my righteous cause and have pleasure. Are you enjoying doing your part? Amen. I don't know about you, and I'm having more fun. I, I, I hadn't forgot how to sin. <laughs> I just found something better. <laughs> don't want to waste my time anymore. Don't want to mess it up. It is too good to be in love. Mm -hmm. Hallelujah. I am, I'm, you know, attitudes big. I know, I, I watch y'all, I watch these services all the time, and I know he teaches you constantly about attitude. God doesn't just love a, a giver, he loves a cheerful. cheerful attitude's yeah. important to God. Yeah. He wants us to be glad, be glad and to take pleasure in the fact that he is up right in the shout for joy and be glad and say continually. Let's say it again. Let, Let the, the Lord, Lord be, be magnified, magnified 
who takes pleasure in the prosperity of his servants. Now, I don't know about you, but I want God to have a good time in my house. That's the way God has fun. He loves to bless his kids. Amen. Hallelujah. So we're magnifying the Lord, aren't we? Yes, we and are. And we're saying continually, let the Lord be magnified who takes pleasure in prospering. Actually, we add the words, he takes pleasure in prospering, Mylon and Christy. Yeah. Amen. <laughs> so you can add your name there. Amen. Well, thank you. We love you. God bless you. Thank you, Amen. baby. Hallelujah. Now, I'm going to do something right now that I hadn't done in a long time. Um, I'm going to sing a song that uh, the Lord gave me 50-something years ago. And, and I got thousands, but it seems like this is the one everyone likes. And, and so I'm thankful for that. I hadn't sung in a long time. Pastor uh, Phyllis was telling us when this song was sung. Give him a little history. I'll give you a little history. <laughs> now, uh, when the night, you know, we tell about that I got uh, filled with the Holy Spirit and I got baptized that night, we were singing this song in that church. So. Might have been a Baptist church. <laughs> <laughs> Hallelujah. Anyway, this is a, um, uh, I hadn't, I quit singing because I just, and, and I shouldn't have, but if you, if everybody thinks of you as a singer or a musician, then when I first came into the Word of Faith, the first time I heard, I, I heard the Word of Faith, I had just had a heart attack. I got saved in 1980, but I had a heart attack. I had a band called Broken Heart. I read a scripture that said a broken and a contrite heart. I will not deny. And I thought he, he'll live. I don't ever want to be in the band he's not in. So I chose that name. Anyway, my band Broken Heart was on the road with another band called White Heart. And we were touring together. And we were on the second, first, uh, we were on the same record label. And the record company who was promoting the tour called it the Heart Attack Tour. <laughs> and on the way to uh, about... 15,000 folks in a cornfield up in Nebraska. We were on our way to do a gig right outside of Lincoln, Nebraska. I had a heart attack. And, you know, the, uh, I read where Daniel prayed, and he set his face like flint toward God, and he fasted, and, and so he needed some information. The doctors told me, if you don't get off the road, you're going to die. And I knew that God wouldn't call me to do something and kill me in the middle of it. I, knew, I didn't know much, as I know now, but I, at that time, Anyway, I went away to fast and pray, and the place that I went was a condo that I had down in Florida, and I went down there, and it just so happened that Kenneth and Gloria Copeland were preaching right down the street from that condo, and they were, and the pastor of the church had put them at the same condo I was at. So I was fasting, and I was, I was you know, you ever done nothing but water for a few days? You get a little spaced out. You ain't talking to nobody but Jesus. You get where you can't talk to nobody else. And uh, so I was walking up the beach praying in the Holy Ghost, and I walked in front of Miss Gloria Copeland. She was out there with her mama reading the Bible. And, 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 and in those days, I had a few feet of hair. I've had a haircut since then. 
And uh, she said she saw this guy. And I had a book I was reading called Healing the Sick by T.L. Osborne. And she saw me going up the beach there. And she went and told Kenneth. She said, the Lord spoke to me. It's this long-haired guy out there. And he's sick. Something's wrong with him. And uh, and the, and I believe we're supposed to teach him and, and lay hands on him. And, you know, if you know much about Kenneth, he just said, well, okay, we're to agree touching it. And took her hands, you know, did the, you know, on earth, go get them, angels, and bring them to us. And he went back to watching his cowboy movie. Ain't nothing religious about Kenneth. And so the next day, I didn't know any of that happened. I'm all praying, and I come back to the pool, and I'm reading my book, and Gloria comes out on the, on the patio and sees me down at the pool and says, Ken, there's that guy. And so I hear the word of faith, what some people call the word. It's, I now know it's just the word of God. But at the time, you know, I, I went. I was in a denomination that that didn't watch those folks on TV. So I, when I heard and experienced a man who had no fear, he started talking to my heart. I didn't know. I thought you could talk to God about hearts. I didn't know you could talk to hearts. He took authority over mine and commanded it to be strong in the Lord and the power of His might, and it did. He, he, he commanded it to be made new, and I went and got another cat skin, and it was new. And it was, so, it was so different from the black spot on the first one to how bright red the second one was that the doctor told the nurse they had the wrong guy. And so I heard, here's the bottom line. You know, there was a guy in the Bible that, that, that found a, a pearl of great price. And he went and sold everything he had to get that thing that was the most valuable thing he'd ever seen. I went back to Georgia and sold everything, moved to Texas to sit under Ken, learn how to live by faith. And I don't know why I told you that song, but you may need to know that uh, uh, that that story. But I'm going to sing you this song now, and, uh, and I'm just believing you're going to sing it with me, and we're going to get caught up in this thing together. Come on, this is without him. Without him, I could do nothing, and without him, I truly fail, and without him, I would be drifting like a ship. Without a sail, if you know it, sing it with me. Jesus, oh Jesus, do you know him today?
And without him I'd be enslaved And without him my life would be hopeless But with Jesus, thank God I'm saved Come on, if you know it, sing it Jesus, oh Jesus, do you know Him today? Please don't turn Him away, oh Jesus, my precious Jesus, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father, for setting us free and free indeed. Amen. Amen. I didn't mean for y'all to get up. I just, I appreciate it. Thank you. Y'all have a seat and let's get in the word. Hallelujah. I started out to tell you I had to quit singing because everybody had to invite me to sing and testify and nobody would invite me to teach i got out on the bunny trail and never got back on that one so that's what happened now let me share something with you i'm going to give you some information tonight it's it's nothing that you haven't heard already but sometimes uh, the word of god is established in the mouth of two or three witnesses sometimes you have to hear something over and over and over and it gets from here to here as you know Jesus said it's with the heart that man believes. So when you first come in contact with the Word of God, you have to think about it. It is intellectual in some ways. You have your comprehensive skills, your analytical skills come into play. And you have to think about the Word of God and how it applies to your everyday life. And and where does the rubber meet the road? How do I apply this? I mean, God doesn't say anything. He's not trying to sell Bibles. You know, if it's in there, we need it. It's important. There's every bit of the information in the Bible we need. God said wisdom is the principal thing, but with it in our pursuit of wisdom, we need to get understanding. Understanding is a simple practical application of the Word of God to our everyday lives. So I am going to share with you some information about uh, supernatural increase or even financial increase and uh, which seems silly to me in the natural because this is one of the most giving I mean this this ministry is known for its generosity and for its faith and for teaching it and doing it and leading in it and you know and I go to brother Copeland's church I moved to Texas to go to his church to sit under him and he sort of adopted me he lets me hang around and and uh, it's amazing to have somebody, you know, I know you, if it took somebody five years to learn something and you can learn in five minutes, you'd have to be really stupid to insist on those five years. You know what I mean? Uh, 
So it's good to have somebody that you can call up and say, hey, I'm in, something's going on here. I've never seen this before. And, and uh, could you give me some insight? And, uh, and so I'm going to share some information then. And I'm going to go back for just the first few minutes, if you will. Uh, if you're a mature Christian, you've been walking with God a long time, then just be patient with me because I believe there's somebody that needs. I, I know that I've heard clearly that I'm supposed to be sharing this information. So I'm going to go back and do what I call Christianity 101. Just a little synopsis, just a little uh, summary of the foundational truths. How I many of you know there's certain things over in the book of Mark, the fourth chapter? God was talking about how to get 30, 60, and 100 fold. And he gave us a parable in the middle of that. I think it's about the 13th verse. Jesus was talking and he said, unless you understand this, you're not going to understand any of the rest of them. That's what you call a foundational truth. You have to get the things that you build on so that other stuff will make sense to you in the future. So... In the garden, as you know, God, I mean, it was paradise. My Lord, I mean, uh, Adam, Adam, God come hang out with Adam in the cool of the day. Imagine, I mean, you know, you saw those pictures. I met some pretty interesting people. Uh, but compared to God, not so much, you know, <laughs> to, for God to hang out with you and talk to you. And so I want to spend just a few minutes on this because there's a great misnomer in the church that if you pray enough that, that you're somehow going to, uh, that God's going to let you be God. You know, I, we got off the airplane today in, in Springfield and there was a sign on the side of the road and I can't remember exactly word for word, but it basically said the speed limit is not a suggestion. And I thought, that's good, you know, because there's some people that think God's making suggestions. No, there's only commandments in here. There's nowhere in in the Word where God says, how y'all feel about this? (laughs) Or get the deacons, y'all vote on this and let me know what you think. No, God tells us exactly what He will do. There's over 7,000. This is not a book about God. This is a book written by Him to me and you. It's a personal book from God. There's over 7,000 promises, and every one of them, according to him, is yes and amen. He's ne- if somebody comes to him and said, will you forgive me? He's never said, no, nah, I don't like you. I remember what you did last Thursday. It really made me mad, and I think you ugly. Your feet is too big. You know, there's all, it, it, It's a good thing we ain't God. Some people being, tr- y'all know what I'm talking about. But God is, it's yes and amen. We already know the answer before we ask him on 7,000 promises. Is this good God? He's good. And is he good all the time? Now he gets blamed for some bad stuff. But the, the, the simplest, most important thing you can learn if you're brand new in the Lord is God good and devil bad. If something bad is going on in your life, is there's some stealing, killing, destroying. I mean, you know, John 10, 10, if there's anything bad going on in your life, that ain't God. If something magnificent is going on in your life, all good things come from above. 
Now, here's old Adam and Eve. They're over there in the garden. Everything's going great. God's just supplying everything they need. Man, they, they're naked. They don't know it. They find that out later. You know what I mean? So, I mean, God makes Adam, makes Eve. I mean, they got plenty to eat. The, it, the only reason I told you they're naked, y'all stopped right there. Y'all, I lost you for a minute there. But the weather was nice is what I was saying. They, they did Y'all, come on. They didn't need a fur coat there in the garden. Come on, this, this is a nice garden. Man. God's providing everything, total provision. And then, you know, they, they, the devil comes along and says, you know, God told them, you, you can do anything in it. You can have everything here, but don't mess with this one tree. And, of course, the devil comes and God says, you'll die if you do. And, they, and the devil says, no, you won't. God's a liar. And they believe the devil. Or, you know, and, and, uh, and so everything changed. All of a sudden, they're out of the garden. Now they got to sweat and toil for their living. They got to fight the, the, the weeds and, the, you know, for the rest of their life. There's no provision. But immediately God has a plan and he starts putting that plan together to bring man back to him. Glory to God. And so Jesus comes along. Did Jesus fix everything? Yeah. Now, it's amazing. I mean, he, he brought us back to him. When you accept Jesus Christ into your heart, he does come into your heart by his spirit. And according to his word, your body becomes a temple of the Holy Spirit. If you're born again, say this, God lives in me. Now, there's a word called Ceylon. It means pause and think about it. I want you to pause and think about that. You need to be constantly aware of the fact that God lives. He did not choose to live in houses made by man, but he chose to live in his children. The one who raised Jesus from the dead, who has all the power, fixing cancer is no harder than fixing a headache for him. He's God Almighty. He's not the fairly power. He's God Almighty. And He lives in you. He ain't out there on a, a cloud somewhere. He does. When you're praying and you say amen, He don't leave. He said, I, I, I'll never leave you or forsake you. He said, I'll stick closer to you than a brother. He's living inside of you. In fact, when it comes to prayer, if you're out in the garage and you hit yourself on the thumb with a hammer, be careful what you pray. Because <laughs> he's always listening. You can't dismiss him. You, you, you try to divorce him. He will not divorce you. He will never leave you or forsake you. Totally committed. That's what love is. And so, you know, he comes into our hearts. He fixes everything. You become a new creature. All those passed away. All things become brand new. He takes your sin as far as the east is from the west. He cleanses you from all unrighteousness. And if you don't have any unrighteousness, that leaves you the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Glory to God. Now, he... He does these things. He comes down here from heaven in, in, in the plan, as you know. We're just going over again, Christianity 101. Uh, he comes down here. He lives for us. 
He tells us exactly what if the Father, he said, I only say what I hear my Father saying. So he tells us exactly what God's saying. And then he does what he sees his Father doing. So he lets us know exactly what the fa- God's like. Amen? God, did Jesus ever give anybody AIDS? God don't do that. If Jesus didn't, he let us know exactly. So he comes down here, he lives for us, he teaches us, he, then, he, then he acts out or does what he just taught us, lets us see the example of how to do it. Then he, after he lives for us, he dies for us, he goes to hell for us, so we don't have to go, but he didn't stay there, he whooped the devil. That's what we call it in Texas. He, he didn't whip him, he whooped him. He whooped the devil, took the keys to death, hell, and the grave, rose again, and then said this. Over there in Matthew 28, he said this to the disciples. First words he said to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. All power has been given unto me. All power. If Jesus got all the power, how much did that leave the devil? Important people, important to know that unless you give him your power, he doesn't have power over you. He can set up circumstances. He's still the God of this world. He can set up circumstances to test you. But the good thing about a test is you can pass them. And if you've ever been in the third grade, you remember how you got to the fourth? You passed the test. Now, the problem is in Christianity, we got some guys shaving in the third grade. Ain't, ain't nothing wrong. You know, when you first get saved, everybody's a babe, and that's okay. But you got to take care of babies. They mess, you know, they, you got to feed them and you got to help them out. But uh, y'all not to be helping them out 20, 30 years later. They ought to be asking different questions. And so as we grow up in love, say, say this, God is love. So that's the goal is to live by faith and walk in love to find out exactly what the perfect plan and purpose and will of God is for use personally and specifically. And then to do that with a good attitude. Is that Christianity? Now I'm sure we could make it longer and, you know, but that for me is, is what he showed me. That he wants me to do. He wants me to. He doesn't want me just doing what other people do. That's good stuff. He wants me to take the time to find out exactly what my assignment is, and just bring my little piece of the puzzle. And if we all do that, we're going to see very clearly the goodness of God in the land of the living. King David, who I remember the first time I read the words, I was 35 and I'd never read the Bible before. And uh, and we had this Bible study every night. And the guy was, <clears throat> I read there for the first time that King David was a man after God's own heart. And I remember thinking, oh, my Lord, of all the things you could ever be on this earth, what if you could be a man after God's heart? Whew. And I started studying his life. And, I, and, and he did some, I mean, David killed a man for his wife. And he already had a few hundred. It ain't like he was lonely after dinner. I mean, David was definitely a man. But when God called him on it, 
He immediately said, hey, I didn't deserve to be king. Take it all. You're right. It's crazy. I'm not, it's disgusting to him. But he said, the one thing, I just, just please don't take your spirit away from me. I couldn't live without your presence. And I don't know about you, but I, I sinned a lot before. If practice makes perfect, I was a good sinner. And when I got born again, I didn't want to sin anymore. I wanted to live holy and live right. But I've had to go before God many times and apologize. And uh, and he's always been nice to me about it. And he's always been merciful and kind to me. But, uh, you know, I'd rather, I don't know about you, but I like correction. It doesn't make me mad. I mean... Uh, of course, there's some preachers that have a, you know, your pastor has a style that's just, I don't need an interpreter when he's talking. Y'all know what I'm talking about? I just get it. And when he's reading my mail and hammering me, which happens from time to time, he's usually really tickled when he does it. For some reason, y'all know what I'm talking about? When he's just all over your toes. That usually just tickles him real good. He'd be up here giggling while I'm thinking, Oh, Jesus, help me, Lord, God. Now, there are some people that don't believe that God wants you blessed. And I came from a denomination that, you know, was just some of the poorest, most tore up. I mean, I remember one of the reasons I didn't want what they had. I remember when I was about 13 years old, I was getting saved for about the 50th time. And me and my buddies, we always sat on the back row and, and we didn't ever read the Bible. So we didn't ever change, you know, we didn't have any faith. Faith only comes by hearing. We didn't want to be there. So we wasn't listening. And, uh, so basically we just doing the same old stuff, but every time we get in the presence of God, we get under conviction. And some of us, so they had this youth, you know, and my daddy, I told you, mama said her baby's going to church, you going to church or die. So I'm in church every time. If, if somebody had broke into place in the middle of the night, my mama found out the doors open, I'd have had to get up and go to church. It was bad. So I'm in there and they having this revival and this youth van's just standing up there. And he, so we all down here, all the rascals, we down here and, and he says, we all crying, you know, and, I was about 12, 13 or something. So he says, now turn around, look back there toward the back doors of the church. So we all turn around. And I'm looking, my granddad is a pastor. When your granddad is a pastor, about a third of the church can to you for some reason. So the evangelist says, look back there at those back doors. Well, in order to look at the back doors, I had to look at all my kinfolk. And he said, um, he said, when you go out those doors tonight, I want you to go to school tomorrow and tell everybody to come to church tomorrow night because they need what you got. And I was looking at the audience and I was thinking to myself, why would they want what we got? We don't even like it. These are some of the most miserable suckers on the earth. Look around the room, preacher. People stand up in here poor. I mean... I ain't talking about... Y'all know the difference in poor and poe? If you don't, you ain't ever been poe. We thought rich people had a double wide. (laughs) 
And it was a Pentecostal church. So it was sort of like the Christian Olympics every Sunday. <laughs> Women weren't allowed to cut their hair, so it'd get real long. They wore it in these things called buns. Anybody remember that? And you get 20 years of hair in there, ain't enough hairspray on the earth to hold. They had these things called bobby pins. Y'all remember bobby pin? When they get to doing the chicken. Now, if you're a Baptist, you have no idea what I'm talking about. It, it looks sort of like this. Woo! And then bobby pins start flying out of like shrapnel. It's every man for himself. Running man take off, screaming man and hollering, and then chicken woman jump up. And I, I, I can talk about them because I was kin to them. So y'all, I ain't, I ain't judging them. I'm just saying, I grew at about 12 years old. I told the Lord, God, I don't want to go to hell, and I believe Jesus is your son. But if it's all right with you, I'm gonna pass on that Holy Ghost thing. <laughs> now I'm just being honest with you because. There was a whole lot of hollering. It was called hellfire and brimstone preaching. And there was a whole lot of don't cuss and don't smoke and don't chew and run women that do. But there wasn't a whole lot of if you ain't going to do all that, what are you going to do? Is there any fun out there anywhere? Or do we just come to church and all the women ain't got no makeup on and some of them need some bad? <laughs> I remember thinking, I'll be a Baptist over this. I'm going to Rangers. <laughs> now, I have no idea why I went all that, but <laughs> I did want the thing I needed the most. I remember the night that I got born again, and, and I remember surrendering to God. I was 35, I was 1980, I was in the second chapter of Acts concert. And I remember telling the Lord, the one thing that I was always afraid of is if, if I got filled with the Holy Spirit, that I would do all these things, that some of which I thought were goofy. I thought that God got blamed. The Holy Spirit got blamed for some people who did some goofy stuff. Because I grew up watching it go down, and if you're kin to them, you know what to do on Sunday, but you know what they're doing on Friday night too. And the two didn't go together. And if you're, even when you're a little kid, you know, when you're a little kid, parents and grandparents talk around you because they think you're stupid because you're little. And intellectually, you don't understand everything or comprehend everything, but you know right from wrong. Your little spirit knows when something ain't right. And so I grew up thinking, well, the, doing the chicken ain't scaring the devil, and it ain't evidently it ain't impressing the Lord because they ain't getting along any better than anybody else. And, and, so I knew there was more, and I didn't know how to get it or where it was. And so, uh, uh, you know, I just went, the, the choices was stay here and be told my music's of the devil. You know, we weren't allowed to go to movies. We weren't allowed to play rook cards because it was cards. We weren't allowed to play Monopoly because they had dice. We weren't allowed to play. Couldn't go to movies. It's just, there, you know... God gave us Ten Commandments, and then the, the religious guys gave us 600 more, and they were churning them out, at least one every Tuesday. I mean, 
thank God for grace. Now, Jesus comes down here and he fixes everything, right? But have you noticed that if you were broke before you got saved, even though you might be saved, born again, filled with the Holy Spirit of the living God, anointed, if you believe it, called, once you understand it, that even though God did everything He could to make your life better, if you were broke when you got saved, you still broke. That's why Jesus spent one-third of His words on this earth talking about money and finances and possessions. Because God loves His kids and He wants, he wants them blessed. You can't help widows and orphans if you can't help yourself. If you can't pay your own rent, you ain't going to buy any tires for a widow this winter. Or send any orphans to Bible school. You know, in order for you to be a blessing, you've got to be blessed. And it is the will of God. And I want to talk to you for a minute about prayer, and then I'm going to give you a couple of scriptures. Brother Hagin said, in, and I don't know if it was in one of his books, uh, um I'm sure Pastor could tell us. Might have been. I I got his library, so I read them all. But you know, I took before I got saved. I'll just be honest. I took every drug but birth control for about 20 years, (laughs) and so some of my memory cells are being. My mind is being renewed every day. And uh, but sometimes I have to. My wife never took any of that stuff, and she remembers everything. So sometimes I have to look down here and read them. But um, uh, you know, Brother Hagen in one. It might have been one of his books. It might have been one of his tapes. I listen to those cassette tapes. When Brother and Sister Copeland laid hands on me and God gave me a new heart, they gave me four tapes. They said, "Will you listen to these tapes?" They were leaving Texas to go back to Texas. They were leaving Florida, and I thought they were going to be. Kenneth Copeland tapes, and they gave me four um, Brother Hagen tapes. And I mean, they were old ones too, cassette tapes. Babies crying, doors slamming. I mean, you, these are old cassettes. These were not, these were low tech, you might say, <laughs> recordings. But they were on the Believer's Authority. And those four cassettes changed my life. And they got me in trouble. I went back to Atlanta to my church where I was an elder. And I had a recording studio. And, you know, I grew up in that hippie culture. If you score something real good, you call all your friends and share your stash. Man, I got these tapes. I went and made 50 copies of these tapes and started passing out Ken Hagen tapes at my church. And I shortly thereafter got the what they call the left foot of fellowship. <laughs> But those tapes changed my life. Hallelujah. I didn't know I had authority. That's awesome. And uh, so, you know, Brother Hagin said in one of those, he said, uh, you ought to read these Ephesian prayers and you ought to read them every day. And so I remember the first time I read that, I thought, cool. He said in about six months, he read them every day for about six months. He changed his whole life. The Word opened up to him in a way he'd never seen before. And so I said, man, that's what I'm doing. And I read them every day for about a week. (laughs) 
And then I found that tape or that book about 10 years later and realized I didn't do that and I need to start over. So about a year or so ago, I started reading those things. And, and let me tell you something. Prayer, there's two ways to pray. You can pray for what you want or you can pray for what you need. Do you notice that guy real quiet? You know, he starts up there and he says that God would grant us the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Well, obviously, if you're going to do anything for God, if you're going to do his will and do it right, you're going to, you're going to need wisdom. And if he doesn't reveal to you what his will is, you can't do it if you don't know what it is. got to have revelation. Are you going to need to be strengthened in the inner man? Are you going to need to know the hope of your calling? How to demonstrate the power of God for those who believe? Man, I mean, it's, and, and Paul wrote seven of those, and they're all in the epistles. Now, if you want to know, if you want your life to really, really change, and this will affect your finances, because it'll affect everything, it'll affect supernatural increase in your life. It'll affect your faith, of course, because, you know, Jesus said when you pray according to the will of God, you, those prayers, how many of you believe that those prayers are definitely going to get answered? But there are some prayers that are not going to get answered. He said, if you pray according to my will, well, then if you don't, if you pray. So here's the bottom line. The Lord said to me one day, and I ain't going to tell you how long ago it was because it's embarrassing. But I wish it was longer than it was. But I started praying those prayers, and I was laughing out loud. I found this one scripture in there where where a, a guy was, um, you know, Jesus comes down, he's teaching and he's in the middle of teaching. This guy hollers out, Jesus, tell my brother to share the inheritance with me. And I'm thinking, and, and I told God, you know, I judged this guy right away. It was horrible, my attitude. And I was thinking, this is the clown of the month. This is a bobo and a half. God is talking. He needs this information. And this clown wants to tell God what to do. And the Lord said to me while I was being proud, that's usually when it happens and arrogant and, and judging this other guy. The Lord said to me, son, you spent most of your life trying to talk me into doing your will. He said, you think about it and you pray about it. And once you decide what you think I'm supposed to be doing, you spend the rest of your time. And you talk to me over and over and over about some things. There's some things you've been talking to me about for years. He said, if you would, these prayers, and of course the Lord's Prayer is the ultimate. And what, what, what do you get the most? I mean, what's the bottom line on the Lord's Prayer? That it would be at your house like it is in heaven. That it would be on earth as it is in heaven. That's what Jesus said. Now, if you want it to be that way, these prayers that Paul wrote, and a couple of them, and three are in Ephesians, and a couple in Colossians, one in Philippians, they're all in the epistles. And, and if you pray those prayers, here's what the Lord said to me. He said, if you'll ask me for and believe me for what you need, to be my man, then I'll be able to trust you with what you want. Because if you seek first my kingdom, that's how you seek first my kingdom. Now, when it comes to finances, the Lord knows uh, he's put it in my heart to do a, a TV show. And, and it's on basically our, our 
you know, we, we did these little church on the run, and there's a whole lot of editing in them because people now use phones more than they used to use computers. I don't know if you know it or not, but mobile has become those little tablets and those little phones. More people getting information over those than they're over uh, PCs or, you know. And so uh, information for the young people, they use those phones for everything. And they're used to a whole lot of action real quick. And so we decided we're going to get some young editors. I told them I don't want any editors over 30. And I want to do some stuff that's never been done. Christianity shouldn't be... Uh, all the same, like Pastor said, there's there's diverse and and it's good. God God made uh, fingerprints different and snowflakes different for a reason. Everybody, we all different, and we all have a call on our life. And my call is specifically specifically to the unsaved in the unchurched, because God got me out of that gutter. And boy, I'm telling you, He bailed me out. I was a heroin addict. I hope you know nothing about that, but most people don't live through that. It was dark and it was cold. There's a place over in Psalm 103 where he talks about he lifted me out of the pit. I hope you know nothing about the pit, but glory to God, he got me. I used to live there. He got me out of that thing. Hallelujah. Now, once we get past, you know, the prayer, here's what the Lord said to me. He said, prayer can be the most wonderful, powerful, awesome, anointed time in your life, or it can be a really disappointing waste of time. If you try to talk God into doing something that he said he's going to do a different way in his word, you are wasting your time. Amen. 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 For instance, God said his version of prayer is, you bring me in remembrance of my word, and then you decree a thing. You say what you have a right to say that God has told you he would do. And you establish that thing in the spirit realm. And then you have a right to wait on the Lord and expect that thing to happen. And it, and it's just a matter of time until it manifests in the natural realm. I mean, I remember when I was a single, you know, I met my first wife in a bar. Uh, it's where I was hanging out in those days. And eventually, you know, I read what I sowed. So I was single. And I remember going in the scripture and finding one that said, it's not good for man to be alone. I said, yes, Lord. Come on, somebody. He said, I will create. I had one of those green Bibles when I first got saved. Y'all ever seen a living Bible, they call them? It said, I'll create for him a helpmate that's perfectly suited to his need. Man, I said, woo-wee, I know you know where that one is, Lord. And uh, and I was believing, but I would get up there. There's a scripture that says, be anxious for nothing and everything. Make your petitions known to God. So I wrote the Lord a letter. I you know. I found some stuff in Proverbs 31 about this godly woman, and I knew I had a right to believe her this. And so every morning I'd read in my petition until I got it memorized, and then I'd, with prayer and thanksgiving and supplication, I'd thank the Lord for this wife. Well, I didn't know Christy. I didn't know it was going to be her. But, boy, when she came, when God overtook me with his blessing, what happened? I had decreed a thing. I had quit worrying about it. He said, don't be anxious. I quit being anxious, got relaxed about it. But my expectation, that's what faith is. King David said at one point, he said, I don't know what I'd have done or what would have become of me had I not expected to see the goodness of God. Whatever you're expecting is what you're... If you're expecting it to get worse this year at the election time, then your faith will make it worse at your house. 
Or it can, so you gotta be, you know, whatever you're expecting for, I don't know about you, I'm expecting to see the goodness of God in the land of the living. Say it with me. I'm expecting to see the goodness of God in the land of the living. Amen. Now, God wants us decreeing and establishing. I, I, I knew a guy that I had to counsel with who was mad at God because he'd prayed for something and God didn't do it. And I had to tell him, dude, you don't ever get to be God. You don't ever get to tell him what to do. He's not going to let you do that. He told you if. there's a, How many of you know there's a lot of ifs in the Bible? If my people are called by my name. You know. And if we do what he said, he'll do what he said. It's real simple. It'll work if we work it. Amen. Now, God wants to be your partner. This 30% of teaching that Jesus did about money and possessions. When he's talking to me about prayer, he said, Son, stop talking to me about money all the time. I told you what to do, and I gave you control. Listen to me now. If you don't like the way your finances are, God reminded me. He said this. If you give, it will be given unto you. Press down, shaking together, and running over, shall men give into your life or into your bosom. But if you don't give, you can pray till the cows come home. You're wasting your time. There's this company called Barna, Barna and they do polling. They, they ask people questions. And they, they did a poll that said that 6% of Christians tithe. 6%. Have you ever wondered why? We serve the living God, the real God who's good and loves his kid. How many of y'all love your kids? If you don't like your kids, put your hands down. We lost a few. The God loves his kids. If you were a billionaire and you could bless your kid, would you? Well, God is a zillionaire. He can't ever run out. And he gives seed to the sower. If I decide to be a sower, he's obligated to give me seed, and I can't ever run out of seed. Is this cool or what? And the thing about uh, once once God's Word is put into action, it's exponential. Sweet. I've never heard that. That's cool. I'm glad I ain't riding my Harley in it. (laughs) Then God said, you give, it'll be given unto you. And then he said this, if you give a little, you'll get a little. But if you give generously, you give sparingly, you can reap sparingly. But if you're in total control of whether you give sparingly or generously. And he's talked to God about it. He said, don't waste my... He said this to me one time. He said, son, do you know that everybody prays about the same stuff? You know, God's got a sense of humor. Y'all may not think it. He'd have to. Look around. God's got a great sense of humor. He told me, he said, everybody prays for the same stuff. He said, you know how many people talked to me about money this week? All of them. He said... A young man who's looking for a wife, they're all praying for a good-looking one. 
Ain't not one young man praying, God, I want an ugly wife that's mean. (laughs) Come on. Well, you know what people are praying about in prison? God, get me out of this place. You know what I mean? Basically, everybody's talking about the same stuff. And he told me, most prayer, a lot of prayer, now I don't mean to be sacrilegious, you know, prayer is important. We need to talk to God. We need to fellowship with God. My best friend, on, other than the Lord himself, is Christy. And I don't know if you're married, you ought to know this. You won't have a great relationship with your wife if you don't listen sometime. You got to let her talk and say whatever she wants to every time she wants to because that's what fellowshipping is. And and I don't, you know, if she says to me what happened today, I can tell her in ten words. But it might take her a thousand because she likes to come on, it's different, you know. It's So God wants us to talk to, He wants us to share with him he wants us to fellowship with him but he's not somebody we go to to try to convince that we know best when we decide i mean you let, let's put up and i know this is old testament but i want to put up malachi 3 and verse 8 i just want to read it again y'all probably got it memorized but i want to read it again I want you to see this clearly because there's some people, some people are always trying to negotiate with God. I heard Brother Copeland say, I ain't trying to get out of time. I'm trying to give more, not less. Will a man rob God? Now, this is God talking. Yet you have robbed me. But you say, wherein we robbed thee in the tithes and offerings. And, and he goes on and says, you've robbed me even this whole nation. Let's go to the net. There you go. Bring all the tithes. All means 10%. If you're robbing God, if you're bringing God 8%, you might as well keep that 8. You're going to need it. Bring the 10%. I mean, if, if, I, if I pull a gun on you and take your watch and, and billfold and then decide, you know what, you're a nice guy. I'm going to give you a watch back. Are we going to be buddies? No, come on. If you rob somebody, you robbed them. You ain't going to be, I mean, go on and go all in. Trust God, because that's what the tithe is about. God don't need money. He don't need your money. Now, ministry, we we need money to do what God's called us to do. If you're going to lead a lot of people to Jesus, you're going to have to sell some money. If we didn't have some money in here, we couldn't keep lights on. You wouldn't hear me on the PA because the electricity would be off. You, it takes money to do that, but God don't need any. And when you give in an offering, even though you're giving to the, tonight, you gave to this thing we refer to as Milan Lefebvre Ministries, but it's not Milan Lefebvre Ministry. It's just a ministry where Milan Lefebvre serves God. It's his ministry. And when you gave your money, you gave it to God. I remember hearing when I was a kid, uh, part of the fact that we lived in a trailer was because my daddy didn't trust those preachers, so we didn't tithe. And and <clears throat> the real truth is, it don't matter what those preachers do with it. I mean, you need to be aware and you need to pray about it, and he'll show you where to sow into good soil that's productive in the kingdom. 
But if the preacher took the money out in the back and burned it in a barrel, if you gave it to God, you would still get your reward. Because God knows who gave to him and why you did it and, and, and how he led you in it. Amen? So he said, bring all the tithe in the storehouse. That there be meat in my house, and prove me now here with saith the Lord of hosts, if I'll not open you the windows of heaven, pour you out a blessing, that there shall not be room enough to receive it, and I'll rebuke the devourer for your sakes. Now listen, that alone's worth twenty percent. That's the best deal on the earth. Get the devil rebuked. Now we we have people that say, Well, you know, that's old testament. Uh, let's look at, and I didn't send it over here. Y'all going to have to forgive me in the tech department. But put up any version you want to of Malachi 3 and verse 6, please. I didn't, I didn't send it to you, so y'all, I apologize. <clears throat> but it says this, I am the Lord and I change not. Is that what your Bible says? So does it matter if it's Old Testament or New Testament? Sometimes it does, but in this case, what he's saying is the tithe. In fact, he said in Matthew 23, 23, it's important for you to bring the tithe. And here's why. Because it's the way you seek first his kingdom. Do I want to... How many of you remember we started out talking about um, Adam and Eve? After they got put out of the garden, the first murder in the Bible is their two sons. One of them brings the first fruits, the tithe. The first murder in the Bible is over the tithe. One of them brings the best he's got to God, and one of them brings what he don't want to God. And God don't want it. It has nothing to do with money. Did God need to eat something, a pork chop? or a... No, man. This stuff is about... Do we give God our best? Do I want to build? In other words, is you, is someone else getting to heaven more important to you than you getting what you want? Because that's what it means to seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And He said, if you do that, then all these things. Say this with me. All these things. Y'all know what things are? Women, shoes are things. Guys, motorcycles, I mean, I don't know what you like, but fast cars, I don't know what you like. Things, all these things. God said, if you do this my way, Jesus said, I'm the way. If you do things my way, even my angels will work for you. I mean, you go into a category of authority and a place that you're the head and not the tail, and you never will be again. But what is this all about? This ain't about money. We're not talking about money. We're talking about faith. I went down to uh, Sarasota to sit under your pastor back in February. And he, and he shared something with me that I'll never forget. I don't know why it just got from here to here. Do you know what I'm talking about? He was talking about if somebody's fighting disease, they're not really fighting cancer. That's not the fight of faith. They're fighting doubt and unbelief. What is bringing the tithe and bringing the offering? The offering starts at 11%. And you have control of whether you get wealthy or not someday. 
Now, it's not, it's not like hitting the lotto. It's line upon line, precept upon precept, from faith to faith, from glory to glory. But it's guaranteed. Unlike anything else on the earth, this system is God's way of you getting from where you are to being blessed in your latter years. To be, to have a dignified life. In fact, God said this. He said, a righteous man will leave an inheritance to his children's children. He'll leave enough money to bless his grandkids when he dies. That's what God calls a good man. So I don't know about you, but whenever he says something like that, I'm, I'm like, I won't in that category. So what I got to do to get there, that's just what I got to do. Amen? So I got to turn up my giving. That's the only way for me to get there. If you went to school with me, you know that I wasn't smart enough to uh, get where I got. But wisdom, and and this is a good thing, y'all, and I'm not making fun of myself. I'm not putting myself down. I'm just saying you don't have to be an intellectual giant to get rich. You just have to believe God and do what He tells you. You don't have to be Einstein. You don't have to be an entrepreneurial uh, wizard. You just need to believe that God is honest. That's the bottom line. Does God tell the truth? Or if you brought your hard-earned money that you worked hard for, and you need it, and you give it to God, would He rip you off? That's the bottom line. Does God have integrity? That's the bottom line on giving. And when it comes to, to, you know, God will, giving and forgiving are the two things that will raise the quality of your life, I believe, the most. Being merciful. God's merciful. Giving will raise the quality of your life in, in the financial realm. You know, I'm going to testify to you that my time's about up and I need to sit down. I don't know. I'm afraid to look at the clock. Uh, Pastor didn't put any time limits on me. He told me to take my time. And, but I don't want to go too long. I don't want to wear you out. Um, Hebrews 11. Let's put that up. Hebrews 11.6. You probably got it memorized without faith. It's impossible to please God. For he who comes to God must believe two things. He must believe that God is God. And you must believe, in order to please God, you've got to believe He's a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. If you think that He would not reward you for putting His kingdom first, you don't know Him. And the scariest verse in the Bible, to me is there was some religious guys who came to Jesus and said, Lord, Lord, look at all the stuff we did in your name. And he said, depart from me. I never knew you. Now these people went to Bible study. People going around casting out devils. These are not just casual. Come on, y'all. Jesus said, there's some people who never took the time to get to know me. And they think I'd take advantage of them. They don't know me at all if they think I'd do that. God so loved the world that he... That's his personality. 
God is not a taker. There's a thief. He comes. He's the taker. God's personality is he's guilt, and you can't outgive him. Try it. You will. You will love what happens. Hallelujah. Now God wants you blessed. Whatever is going on in your life, um, He wants to turn it up. In 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 Matthew twenty five twenty one, you don't have to turn there. I'm gonna go real quick. Well done, good and faithful servant. Because you've been faithful with a little, I'm going to make you ruler over much. Being faithful, there are people thinking, well, God, if you just let me. I mean, there are people praying right now, if you'll help me to get that business deal, then I'll give some money to the church. But the Lord is, wants me to let you know he knows that's not true. You won't be faithful in little. Reaping always comes after sowing. And he ain't going to let you be God and change that. You can pray, you can fast till you starve to death. You can get baptized till you drown. You can do all kind of religious stuff. It won't change the word one bit. You got to sow before you reap. As long as the earth remains, seed, time, and harvest. Now, is seed time one word or two, y'all? Seed is when you sow. There is a time in there when you got to wait on the Lord. How long? I ain't God. I'm mine. I have no idea. But I know one thing. If I keep my expectation big and I keep my attitude right, then harvest time is guaranteed. Amen. Hallelujah. Now let's look over in... Uh, let, let me take you over in... Ephesians, the second chapter, there's a scripture that, that says it's by grace through faith that you're saved. That, um, that not of yourselves, in other words, lest any man should boast, it's the gift of God. This grace, I want you to understand this. The grace of God is free, but you've got to believe God to get it, right? Grace, to be born again is free. You can't buy it, rent it, lease it. You can't earn it. But God will give it to anybody that believes on His Son. That's the way it is with healing. How do you get healed? The grace to be healed is free. But you got to believe God to get it. The baptism of the Holy Spirit. The thing that I was afraid of and the thing that I needed most. Man, I mean, now I can pray in the Spirit. I can pray for the understanding. And there's times when it'll come immediately for the interpretation. But there's other times when it doesn't come in immediately. But it may be three months, four months later, six months. And all of a sudden, I'll wake up one day with the knowing. I'll have some information that was really important that I never understood. And I didn't know how to get from here to there. And one day you wake up and it's as easy as breathing. You can do it and you don't even have to think about it. Because the supernatural has become natural to you. And the revelation has come and the interpretation has come. And the knowing is yours. And the Holy Spirit's shown you some things that you need to know. Now, that gift... The functioning of that gift. That grace 
It's exactly the same way to get financial increase. The grace to grow financially is free. You just have to believe God and act on it to get it. But the church has been taught, no, you got you can't earn salvation, you can't earn healing, you can't earn the baptism, you can't earn the anointing. Why can you earn money? All of a sudden you gotta go out and get two jobs, three jobs. No, my Bible says toiling doesn't even increase it. Amen. Uh, let me find that scripture. Toiling doesn't increase it. Come on, baby. Ah, Proverbs 10, verse 22. Thank you, Jesus. The blessing of the Lord, it makes truly rich, and he adds no sorrow with it. Neither does toiling increase it. You work for your seed. You work for your seed, and in the old days, the barter system was you grow your crop, you plant your crop. And at the end, when harvest came, you eat some of your seed, you barter some of it, and you replant some of it. And you, in that process, is exponential, and that is the way it works. Now, if we, uh, and I know that it's not true in this church, but I have been in churches where, where they think that, you know, uh, Matthew 9 and verse 27 says this, and you know this, in fact, I, I I got this off of one of your tapes just recently. Uh, so I know y'all got it because I wrote it down. <clears throat> there were two blind men healed there when Jesus departed from there to verse 27, Matthew 9:27. Two blind men followed him crying out saying, Son of David, have mercy on us. And when he had come into the house, the blind men came to him. Jesus said to him, Do you believe I'm able to do this? And they said, Yes, Lord. Then he touched their eyes and said, According to your faith... Let it be unto you. According to your faith. Not according to your need or your desire or your sincerity or your problem. According to what? What do you believe? Is this God a rewarder? If you give, who believes you could become super blessed in a short period of time. I believe that the Bible says in the last days the wealth of the sinners coming in the hand of the righteous. And 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 I, I was talking to Brother Copeland recently and I was you know I was talking about over Matthew twenty four. We were just having a conversation, my pastor, Pastor George, uh Jeremy's father, we were talking about um you know where they came to Jesus and said uh, basically uh how we know it's the last days and and I said, you know, I believe it's the last days. And Brother Copeland stopped me. Now, when Brother Copeland stops you, don't say nothing. <laughs> Just listen. And uh, what he told me was, these are not the last days, son. He said, these are the last of the last days. Where he said, we're in a time where time is compressed because it's short. So things are happening faster. Scripture's being fulfilled and all kind of stuff's being set up. There's a place over in Joel. I'll just throw this out there. It's pretty cool. There's a place over in the second chapter of Joel. He talks about there was a former rain. And that was the day of Pentecost. First time God poured his spirit out on anybody. But those guys were all praying for it and waiting on it. As they had been told to do. But God said in the latter rain, it's 
it's going to be much greater. He said, I'm going to pour my spirit on all flesh. I want you to just stop for a second. All flesh. God said, there's coming a day when I'm going to pour out my spirit. All flesh includes Muslims, Buddhists, atheists. Lots of people don't think he can do that. There's coming a day, it says, it says in, that there is coming a day when the knowledge of the glory of God, it's in the back, covers the earth as the waters cover the sea. The not, listen now, the knowledge of the, in other words, even the heathen will know. They won't be guessing, not if they have knowledge. The knowledge of the glory, they'll know it's God. God's going to do something at the end of the end, and He's going to—he's so merciful, He's so kind. You know how many chances He gave me, or I don't know how many He gave you, but He's patient. But at the end, He's such a good God; He's going to give everybody one last chance, and He's going to—he's going to throw him a a personal. It ain't going to be no heroes in this, and it's going to be—he's going to show up. And He's going to pour out His Spirit. And me and you, it's going to be real easy. Our job is going to be simple. People are going to be saying, what is going on? And you're going to be saying, this is that spoken by the prophet Joel. The living God has given you one last chance to accept His Son. And there's going to be a whole bunch of them get saved. And then it's all over but the shouting. Hallelujah. Now, when a... Uh, you know, when, when you receive Jesus, um, I, I'm going to testify to you what he did for me. I made a lot of money in rock and roll. There was a time there when I was making eight or $10,000 a day. And back in those days, that was a lot of money. And, and um, you know, I got born again and I couldn't be around it. And I just had to... I, you know, I just couldn't. I tried, but I couldn't. And I was too weak a person. And so I quit. I became a janitor. And, and um, But I wasted it all on crazy living and stupid. I don't know if you've ever seen anybody really, really stoned. But they're about nine years old, but they think they're cool. You know, and you're making business decisions. Whacked out. You know, I mean, you're just... Um, you know, if you if you're an addict, then you take drugs every day. So going to a business meeting stoned is just going to a business meeting because you're stoned all the time. You know, and so the bottom line is, when I got born again, they start they they quit. If you quit making, a, if you're making a whole lot of money and you start making payments on things, they start coming to get your toys. You know, there goes the Mercedes, there went the Porsche, there went the place at the beach, and, and so on. And they just keep getting stuff until there ain't nothing left. So I was a janitor making $175 a week, and I had just become a tither. This is 1980. And, uh, and I really knew nothing. I'd never read the Bible. And my brain was silly putty from all the drugs. And so I was having to start over, and God was renewing my mind. But I became a tither. I was making 170 So my tithe was $17.50. I was living in a 41-year-old house 
shortly thereafter because they came and got everything else. So I was in this 41-year-old house. It was 1,500 square feet. This is, uh, it, I won't tell you how bad it was, but it was funky. Both my cars were used, and neither one of them was paid for. Both my credit cards maxed out. And I had just met Brother Copeland. And so I, in 1990, I had met Brother Copeland, and I go over to, he invites me to the first Believers Convention that I'd ever been to. It was in Birmingham, and the theme of the convention was war on debt. And so I get, in first place, I'd never been to something where they start at 9 o'clock in the morning, and then at 11 o'clock, and then at 2 o'clock, and then at 4 o'clock, and then at 7 o'clock. And sometimes Ken would get through with the offering about 9, and at about 10, open your Bibles. Well, after about three days of that, I had to get, I was there, but I had to get a, the t- CD to find out what happened. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? I just was, uh, I don't know, I got overloaded or something. I OD'd on the word or something. I don't know what happened, but he kept saying stuff like, oh, no man, anything but love. I thought, are you kidding? Don't ever borrow money? I mean, how, you know, my brain just said, he is taking that out of context. I'd go back to my hotel room. I'd read. I'd read the whole chapter before and the one after. Make sure. Sure enough, the Bible said what he said it said, and I knew. Oh my Lord! I mean, I mean, I was getting hammered, it, and I was on the front row. It's bad enough to get hammered, but if you get there early and you get you a good seat, and man, I was on the front row going, ooh, ow, mm. My uncle had a T-shirt. I'm not making this up. My uncle had a T-shirt that said, whoever dies owing the most wins. (laughs) I thought when my daddy introduced me to his banker, he was doing me a favor. I didn't know I was getting in slavery. But the borrower is slave to the lender. Now what God said. Do y'all want me to put it up there? Do y'all know that's what the Bible says? And so, you know, I went back home and and I read all these scriptures and I decided, well, Lord, you know, I'm going to get out of debt. And I remember telling my ex-wife the decision I'd made. And I'm not going to tell you what she said. But um, she was not in agreement with that. And so I took communion, as I had been instructed to do, by myself. And I sat down with my amortization scale. I had to get, I can't even spell it. You know, I didn't know what it was. <clears throat> but uh, I sat down with my banker and I'd made out this schedule and to find out if I paid nothing but principal and hammered the principal and paid two house payments and two car payments and how long it would take. It was going to take me five years and ten months to get out of debt, and that was 1990. And within 19 months, and that was if I did not go out to eat one time or buy a T-shirt or go to a movie or, I mean, if every single dime I made either went to Ties or to Caesar. You know, God said, bring the tithe in the storehouse. He said, it's mine. You're robbing me if you don't. He didn't say give it to me. He said, bring it to me. It's mine. He said, so I brought the tithe and I paid Caesar was, paid my taxes. 
And then I decided I'm going to do this. I'm going to get out of debt. And I took communion in 19 months. Now, I'm not saying it was a fun 19 months, but I was out of debt. It was so supernatural. Once I said, yes, Lord, I'm going to do this just because you said it, and I want to honor you. Boy, he started. I mean, that is not just this. Those who honor him. Ooh. He starts doing stuff. You can't figure it out. When you're sitting down trying to make up that schedule, you can't figure all that stuff in. He's God. He's the creator. And he's very creative. He came up with all kind of ways to fix stuff. And in 19 months, I was out of debt. Now, I had never experienced this in my life. But he told me when I, again, I went to him. I said, now, Lord, I didn't want to do this. But you got to be straight. You know, I got to understand how to do it. What Please instruct me, sir. Please tell me exactly how to do this. And he said, bring the tithe in the storehouse. Here's the plan he gave me. And I'm not telling you that this is a plan you should adopt. I'm saying this is the one he gave me. You've got to work out your own salvation. But this one will work. I guarantee you it will work. He said, bring a tithe in the storehouse. Give Caesar what Caesar. And then he said, and set aside a tithe unto yourself. And I didn't know what that meant. So I, I did some fasting. I, well, tithe was a no-brainer, 10%. And I just finally figured out. He never mentioned it to me again. So I decided it was a savings account. And so I set aside. So we're talking about $17.50. If you ain't got nothing and you're in debt, and you get out of debt, then this amazing miracle has just happened. The bank is now paying you interest instead of you paying them interest. You might not know what that means, but that's good. I'll tell you something else that happened during those 19 months. There is a scripture. Let's put this up. 1 Timothy 6 and verse 6, please. 1 Timothy 6 and verse 6. Now, godliness with contentment is great gain. Now, y'all, when God says the word great... This ain't the home shopping network. You know what I mean? People are always hustling and trying to tell you how great something is. When God says something's big, it's big. You want to get great gain? I didn't even know what contentment I didn't know it was in the package. I wasn't praying for it. But when you stop, you know, with that throwing down that plastic and getting that instant gratification when you stop that process and you only are involved in one thing God said to do this so I want to do it because I want him to enjoy me as much as I enjoy him he loves me and I love him and that's the only reason I just want to do whatever he says because I want him to enjoy my life the way I'm I mean, it's magnificent what he's done for me. I mean, if nothing else, his patience. Maybe you were a good guy and and that doesn't mean a lot to you. But he's been patient with me. I have messed up so much. I mean, I've made so many mistakes. Done so many stupid things. So selfish. You know, pride goes before a fall. When you see somebody that's fallen a lot, they've been really arrogant. I was just an arrogant fool. And he's been so patient, so good, so kind. And one of the things he did was 
He taught me this contentment. What is contentment? It means literally they ain't got nothing I want. I could go to the mall and buy some. These, these pants I wear, if you ever see me anywhere, I'll be wearing a pair of these pants. I found them a long time ago. They got these big pockets. I got a big phone. I can get everything I want in there. They cost, they cost $79. military pants. You know they're cheap. They cost $79. I called up in Pennsylvania this place that, I, that, I, that had them. And the guy who answered the phone had come to one of my concerts about 20 years ago. And I led him to the Lord. So I get them for $49 a pair. I got 20 pair. My brother owned the Harley Davidson dealership, so I get my shirts for cost. I got 50 Harley shirts. <laughs> Pastor bought me a new one today and a, and a cool leather jacket to go with it, man. Yes, sir. <clears throat> but you know, life is simple. I got the five or six pairs of tennis shoes and some boots for riding. They ain't got anything. I mean, I could get a new car, but I like the one I got. I could get a new motorcycle, but man, mine is sweet. When I go out through the garage on my way to do something, it smiles at me. It's okay. Okay, I fleshed out. I admit it. <clears throat> now, contentment, it means that. Lust has been conquered. And lust is what makes you go in debt. Why do you borrow money? What's the difference? If you wait on the Lord, then you sow and you wait. And you save and you plan. And then you pay for something and you don't pay 20 or 30% in interest. The first time you miss a payment and they go to 29%. And then you wonder why. Oh, my goodness. No, free and free indeed means you're not slave to the lender. If the Holy Ghost tells you to go over and preach for Rick Renner in Russia, you don't have to ask Visa if you can go. That's what free is. Hallelujah. You just go. Amen. Now, he told me this, though, when he told me to set aside that 10% for a tithe unto myself. He said, don't think of it as a rainy day account or the devil will make it rain all the time. He said, don't touch that until I tell you. And it was a long time. And I just forgot about it. But every time I got a paycheck, 10% went in there. And over the years, and I don't know, I mean, there are some people in here that are smarter than me that could tell you all about things like this. But there came a point where... um, you know, Google, it was pretty obvious when Google went public that it was a pretty popular thing. It went public at $49, and last time I checked, it was at 707 You can't take advantage of things if you're not prepared when the time comes. The Lord can't talk to you about something that He told you to get ready for if you didn't do what He told you when He told you. There's foundational truths, and every time you nail one of them, and it becomes a holy habit. 
I used to have some bad habits. Well, we're creatures of habit. That's what human beings are. The good news is in Christ, there are some holy habits. You get up every day. I don't know what you do, but, you know, we don't play earth until we've spent some time. We get up in the morning and we spend some time in the Word. She's got her fort made upstairs and that's where her Bibles and her software and all that stuff is. And I've got my study downstairs. And then we'll get together later on and she'll tell me what the Lord's showing her and read me something if she wants to. or And I will. And then we'll pray together. And, and then if you come to my house and knock on the door before that, we don't go to the door. If you call the house, we don't answer the phone. She told me right after we married, she said, I like you a whole lot better after you've hung out with the Lord a little while. (laughs) Isn't it cool the way wives can tell you stuff and smile at you? Hallelujah. So I'm going to tell you that, you know, we... we, uh, I got one more scripture I want to share with you, and I'm going to sit down. We, in the body of Christ, man, if some heathen, some real rascal, you know, nobody's asked my wife to testify, but believe me, her testimony is a whole lot better than mine. She didn't do all the dumb stuff I did. But everybody wants to hear a testimony when you're really stupid. You do a bunch of really dumb stuff and really mess up all that. Tell me all the juicy stuff, man. Everybody wants to know what a rascal you were. Well, you know, um, if a guy like that gets saved, everybody in the church go praising the Lord. Now, I'm not talking about this church. I'm talking about the body of Christ. Man, somebody can get healed of some horrible disease and everybody will praise the Lord with them. Man, somebody, you can, you can have somebody that, that sat in their house and watched a tornado coming straight at them, took out every house on the block, and then just turned left and went the other way. Everybody will praise the Lord all the time. But you get somebody in church, stand up and say, I was raised in a trailer, got no education, lived in a, a, a really funky place, had a paper route, and if uh, all my papers landed on the porch and the dog didn't run off with any of them, I got $18 a week. Anybody know what? Look back on your life. I mean, if you, had, if you never had a car in school, you know how many dates you get on a bicycle? <laughs> your social life is somewhat. You come out of a place like that on the other side of the tracks, and you get born again, and you become a tither, and you become a giver, and then you start learning how God does things, and you press on into that, and someday you become a millionaire. You tell people that in church, and they'll all look at you like you stole the offering. No, I'm not. I'm, the, the Bible says our boast is in the Lord. I am not... Uh, telling you anything I did, I'm telling you that the Lord is faithful to perform His Word. And it's important for us to testify and not hide the blessings of God because what He'll do for me, He'll do for anybody. He will do it for you. He will do it if you trust Him. But again, it's not about money. It's about faith. Amen. Now I want to I want to share this last scripture with you, and I'm going to go sit down. Galatians 2:20. We can put. The, I, I don't. I know I didn't send that to you, did I? No, I didn't. If you got it in any version, King James, maybe. 
Galatians 2.20, Paul was one of my heroes. You know, he was Saul, and he was a bad guy. He was a bad guy in that he was a religious bad guy. Pharisee among Pharisees, super educated, wealthy guy, Roman citizen. But his quote-unquote ministry was going from town to town getting these Christians, getting everybody riled up against them until they killed them. That was his ministry. And, of course, he, he just, you know, Stephen, the first martyr, he, he didn't kill him, but he held their coats. He got them riled up, and then he didn't, but he wouldn't do the dirty work himself. So he's over on the side. Now he's on the way to Damascus to get some more Christians. And Jesus shows up, knocks him off his donkey, blinds the boy. I mean, he's having a bad week, right? Jesus said to him, Saul, he didn't say, why are you persecuting my people? Jesus said to him, why are you persecuting me? When you mess with my people, you're messing with me. So Saul spends the next few days blind. He goes off and he gets his sight back, goes off in the wilderness. And years later, he writes these words. And, and as you know, he wrote most of the New Testament. Wrote some of it from prison. I mean, he's one of my heroes. And he wrote these words, and I can relate to them, and I want to leave these last thoughts with you. You might not need the finances. You may have learned that many, many years ago. But if you didn't, don't get offended at the Word of God. God don't need your money. If you rob the Lord, the devil gets to rob you. That's the bottom line. And God does not want that. God wants you blessed so you can be a blessing. Galatians 2.20 says, I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live by the faith of the... The life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith... Won't you see this word? Of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Here's what Paul just said. I am crucified. When, when Jesus died on the cross, I did too. Nevertheless, I live. I'm still here, yet not I, but it ain't me. It's Christ in me. And that's the hope of glory. If you get that one revelation, and you can't have faith without revelation. No amount, some guy coming here needs a haircut, ain't going to talk you in or out of anything. You got to hear it from God. But if you'll meditate on these words, and if you'll go home knowing that the living God does really live in you, and it's not you anymore. Thank God I'm not, you know, I got a friend of mine who's a drummer in one of the most famous bands in the world. I can't tell you his name, you'd know what band he's in and but he, he uh, I led him to the Lord, but he won't go to church. He's just not comfortable there, he says. So he goes to these meetings uh, on the road. And, um, you know, and I said, well, what happens in those meetings? He said, you know, it's a 12-step program. He said, well, you know, I go. And he, said, he does. He goes every day in a different city when they're on tour. And he goes and he stands up and he says, Hi, my name's so-and-so and I'm a drug addict and alcoholic. I said, Good Lord, don't ever say that again. 
He said, well, you know, I got to. I'm, I'm struggling with this stuff. I said, well, brother, I'm not. I didn't. I, I got born again on a Saturday night. I never got high again. I ne- and it's not. It was not because I'm Mister Self-Discipline or I'd be skinny. Come on. I mean, I got deliver. I didn't even know what deliverance was, y'all. I mean, God filled me with His Spirit, and I realized I don't want to mess this up. This is the best thing that's ever happened to me. And it was easy. The hard part was getting away from every friend I had because all my friends stayed up all night. I didn't know anybody was awake in the daytime. That's why Pastor made me a janitor, just to give me some place to be in the daytime, keep me out of trouble, and and uh, so I could go to church every time the doors open. I had no idea what to do with myself. It was the people that tempted me to go back. It wasn't drugs. Don't call you up and say, "Hey, let's get high," you know. Uh, it was easy. I never got high again. Never got drunk again. Never touched another woman that wasn't my wife. I mean, it was easy. So if you've been struggling with something, just ask God to deliver you and believe Him for it. His promises are yes and amen. Christ lives in you if you're born again. You can do anything He tells you to do. You can do all things. He will strengthen you. This is not Greek mythology. This is God. His Word talking. I hope you got... Anybody get anything out of this tonight? Hey, man, let me just say this to y'all. Thank you. Thank you for being... uh, do, Do this for me. Think about this. If this is your church, don't ever leave it. Put your roots down so deep. When I went to Texas, I remember the Lord again. I asked Him, talk to me like I'm a country boy. You know, help me to understand it. I said, exactly, you're bringing me to Texas so I can learn how to live by faith. And what do you want me to do? He said, put your roots down like a tree planted by the water. And get your roots so deep that nothing can move you. And you sit under Kenneth and you stay close by and you just be quiet and listen and watch and divine appointments will happen. When, when Keith called and when Pastor called and invited me to preach, I just started crying. I mean, I'm a grown man. You ever seen a grown man cry? I cried like a little baby. To have friends that are prophets and men and women of God like him and Phyllis speaking into my life. Man, to, to correct me if I need it, to prophesy over me, to, to instruct me, to, to love me. Oh, my goodness. It's the best life there is. You're in one of the best churches on the planet Earth, and you're in a ministry that's changing the world. And I love every one of y'all, and I'm, I don't know your names, but God does, and I'm going to be believing God with you, and I'm going to keep my faith active in y'all's lives, and I'd ask you to do the same for me and Christy. God bless y'all. I love you. Thank you, sir.